I want to begin this way. What do you think the subject is that Jesus talked about in his earthly ministry the most? I'll give it a, the title, give it away. Title of the talk, give it away. Some people think it, he talked about love the most. He talked about money the most. Other people think that he talked about hell or healing. But the subject that he covered the most and the, most, the subject that he most inferred about was something called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God in the American church is often one of the most overlooked subjects, and it's crucial and critical for everything that you do as a Christian. And if you don't understand, and if I don't understand the implications of the kingdom of God, then we're going to mess up. And you see, the problem with the kingdom of God is we've all heard it, but context is important. So, I want to use an illustration here. Give me a sport. Say a sport, any sport out loud. I don't like any of those. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, like, say you, uh, did I hear baseball? Bob's like, God, these are all go so good. So, you go, um, that is a sport. It is a sport. Those people throw those people, and those people catch those people. That is a sport. Let's use cheerleading. Let's go with that as a sport. Yeah. So, this isn't a football crowd. This is a cheerleading crowd. <laughs> So um, anyway, so say, context is important if you're going to be a cheerleader. Say someone blindfolded you and brought you in and you knew nothing about cheerleading, and they take the blindfold off and they're like, go ahead and do cheerleading. And you're, people are throwing people, um, and you were supposed to catch people. And if you didn't know anything about cheerleading, you would probably hurt a few people because you didn't understand what cheerleading was or how it worked. Um, let's use another one. Like if you don't understand uh, how to swim in a contest... Um, which is how Nikki paid for college, and that's where I first saw her, wink, at swim, at swim meet. I was like, what's up, girl? You want to go eat Chinese food in an old Taco Bell? Let's do it. A bunch of years later, we were married. So, but she's swimming. Like, if you didn't understand how to swim in a swim meet, I mean, you may not understand. You could, you could end up doing really weird things under the water or not even in the water whatsoever. Context is important. When you play baseball, like, if you have no concept about what baseball is and someone hands you a baseball bat, you could do some serious damage to other people with that baseball bat if you don't understand what it is. Context is important. And today we have to do a context-setting teaching. Because if you don't understand the kingdom of God, if you don't understand what's happening in the world, if I don't understand what's happening in the world, we can miss it. We can end up playing the wrong game. Now, some Christians over the last 200 years have misread the scriptures. They've misunderstood the Bible when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God. Some people think when we talk about the kingdom of God that we're talking about heaven. When you say kingdom of God, that's a place you go when you die. That's not necessarily what Jesus was talking about, although he did indicate that part of being a part of the kingdom would include a place called heaven. But he actually didn't talk about heaven all that much. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about the church. You are at a church. You are the church. But when, God, when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, he wasn't referring to the church. The church is a part of the kingdom of God in terms of making, bringing about the kingdom of God. We're participants in the kingdom. We're witnesses to the kingdom. But we are ourselves as a church, Pacific City Church, and all the wonderful churches in Los Angeles, we are not actually the kingdom of God. We're representatives of the king and the kingdom, but we are not the kingdom itself. And the kingdom of God 
actually does inform what we do now. It actually gives meaning and purpose to our Christian lives. Many of us have been led to believe that what we're doing here is just trying to get people to pray the prayer, pray the prayer of salvation, so that when we die, we don't go to hell. That is a part of some part of what we do, but that's not the central piece of what Jesus was after in terms of the kingdom. He wasn't worried so much about people getting to heaven as much as he was interested in heaven coming to earth. Do you understand? Are you tracking with me so far? Let me give you a couple of illustrations. Kingdom of God. Has anyone ever heard of C.S. Lewis? He's a Christian writer. Yes, the proud hands. Yes, C.S. Lewis. He's one of my favorite Christian writers. Uh, And uh, he wrote this wonderful set of books called The Chronicles of Narnia. I'm sure you've heard of it. And in the first book, in the Chronicles of Narnia, um, when they first go through the, line, the, the wardrobe, are, do you recall what I'm talking about? They go through the wardrobe? Cool. And some people, everyone looks like we're on board here, right? Uh, they go through the wardrobe. It's, what is it? What season was it? Do we remember what season it was? It was winter. That's right. It was winter. And why was it winter? Because there was a witch. <laughs> and <that's, laughs> And this witch had made it winter for a, how many years? Was it 100 It was a hundred years it had been winter. And these people were really upset because it was winter for a hundred years. And there was a curse over the land because of the evil, wicked witch. She had put a curse on the land. But something begins to happen in the book, do we recall? Aslan comes, and as he starts to show up in certain situations, what happens? Everything begins to thaw. And the winter goes away. And spring begins to come, and life is made anew again. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And when C.S. Lewis was writing that, he was trying to describe what the kingdom of God was. When Jesus came to earth, it was the start of something new. It was the establishment and the reign and rule of Jesus over the earth. And what we do is we get to participate in the thawing of the world the making of the world again, the renewal of the world. We ourselves don't make it happen. We get to witness and participate in making the world new again. Do you understand? Do you understand? Let me give you another illustration. Uh, I once saw a John Mulaney special where he talks about how all parents our age um, are all preparing for a World War II quiz that will never happen. And they're always watching the History Channel. They're always watching, learning about World War II trivia and so on. Um, and uh, it made me think of this illustration. So maybe you have a parent that's into World War II, uh, uh, you know, information. Um, but in World War II, there was something called V-Day. And then there was something, oh no, there's something called D-Day. And then there was something called V-Day. And in June 6, 1944, was D-Day. It's when the Allied forces started to take over Europe. They started to retake Europe from the Nazis, right, and the Germans, right? <laughs> That's, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure why that was funny. Um, anyway, so, th- so they're, they're like, okay, Nazis bad, Allied forces good, June 26th, let's go. They take the beaches, and you've seen the movies, so they're, they're doing things. And, uh, um, you know, if you're an American, you have... Um, Maybe you have grandparents or great-grandparents that participated and the Allied forces pushing back the Nazis and the German forces into Germany. 
And that was a decided moment where the world said, enough is enough. We're saying no to evil. We're saying no to Hitler. We're saying no to the Nazis. And we're going to push him back. And basically, that was the turning point of the war, where it had been established that this is no more. You're not going any further. We're going to push you back. And it was the beginning of the end for Hitler, the Nazis, and the Germans. However, V-Day, Victory Day, didn't happen for 336 more days. V-Day happened on May 8, 1945, which is almost a full year later. And so when we talk about it, here's where the illustration comes in. When these folks, when they started, they started at the beaches of Normandy, they did the Allied invasion from all angles, it took them about 336 days to push the enemy back until finally the enemy surrendered. And then the Allied forces declared victory over the war. In the same way, the kingdom of God has been established. The rule and reign has come in the person of Jesus. He came down, lived as a man like you and me. He lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross and rose from the game, showing himself to be Lord over everything. But the final ending of the world is not yet come. We live in the tension between D-Day and V-Day. And we are called to participate in that process. Not everything is made new. I don't have to look very hard. I don't have to look very hard to know that there's still evil in the world. I don't you don't have to look very hard to see that everything is not made right. But what we are doing in this period, what the kingdom of God is, it is the start of something big, folks. And I'm here to tell you that you're a part of it. And whether you want to be in that, that is the era that you were born into. That is the part of, the, of history that you were born into. Now, some people think, when they think of um, the end times, they think of maybe like a rapture, where like Jesus takes all the Christians and planes will be unmanned and cars will crash. And what happened? Chris's clothes are all laid out nicely. And I was caught up in the air. That's a relatively new idea. You can't really find that in the Bible in exclusively. And I don't really have time to get into it. But the main piece of what God is up to in the world is his kingdom. It is this period of time, the kingdom of God is between when, he first, when Jesus first come, came 2,000 years ago and his second coming. The Bible says that Jesus will come back and he will right every wrong. He will dry every tear. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more divorce. There will be no more child abuse. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more whatever that Jesus, when he comes back, he is the only one in the whole universe that can set the world right. You and I can participate and bring that stuff in the here and now, but we can't fully bring it. It fully happens when Jesus comes back. Now, the problem, and this is why we have to talk about this, the problem is, is that many American Christians don't realize that there's another team on the field, that there's an evil spiritual force in this world that wants to prevent us from moving forward in the kingdom of God. Just like the time between D-Day and V-Day, there are still evil forces that must be pushed back. There are evil plans in place. There is a spiritual haze, a ruler over this world that must be pushed back, that must be destroyed, that must be claimed, and, and we must claim the name of Jesus in, in removing this evil force from the world. Now, much of the American church has spent its time thinking as if it were civilians, 
when in fact you and I are actually in a war. We are actually in spiritual warfare against the evil forces of the world. And whether you believe it or not, whether you are aware of it or not, you are the victim of an enemy that seeks to destroy you. There is a malevolent spiritual force that seeks to kill you, that wants nothing good for you. And there was Jesus who comes into this moment and he says, the kingdom of God is near. And this king of the kingdom, he came to declare war on that evil spiritual force. And he says, it's not going to happen anymore. And you know what else? He gives us the keys to the kingdom. And he invites you and me to take up arms and to fight against the evil forces of this world. But if you and I don't recognize and understand or utilize the gifts that we have been given, the power and the authority that God has given to us, then we will miss out on what we're actually supposed to be doing here. We are not just selling fire insurance so people don't go to hell. We are not just handing out things for people in need, although we should do that. We are waging war against the evil spiritual forces of this world. And today, just as he's done other times, God is activating an army with you and me. And you and I are once again being called to learn how to work within the kingdom of God. And here's why this is important. Now we're going to get to the miracles part. Uh, we must understand power and authority, okay? So what are these verses? Look at the verses. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases. Uh, wait a second. Does your version say all? Does, your, does it say all? Does it say all demons? So mine says, yeah, mine says all. You know, some people think it just says some, or it used to, we used to be able to cure you. And he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for your journey. Don't take no shirt, no money, blah, blah, blah. And go on, leave your house, shake your dust if they don't want to hear you. And uh, go village to village proclaiming the good news. I shouldn't blah, blah, blah the scriptures, but when I, you know what I'm getting at. There's just some extra stuff in there. But there's this piece in there. It says, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases. Well, you know, what words does he use there? He gives, he, there's two words you need to underline if you have a pen. Power and authority. Power and authority. Power. What is power? Power is the ability to complete tasks. Authority is the right to use that power. And Jesus, with the disciples, in reference to the kingdom of God, says, all power and authority has been given to you. You and you and me. All power and authority. How do we understand the difference of power and authority? Well, my sister-in-law is a proud African-American detective uh, in Cleveland Heights. Uh, and I, you know, I cannot just imagine being a cop. Whew, that is tough work. Do we have any people related to police officers uh, in this room? Uh, no, no, I'm the only one. Well, let me tell you my experience. Um, it is, it is, what she does is hard work. And uh, you hear her story and her journey through this. It's incredible. But, um, you know, you know, back in the day before she became a detective and solved all the crimes, um, she had to do, you know, she had to, she had to be on the beat. She had to walk 
the streets and do things, and there was times where she had to direct traffic. Um, and um, so, so, so power and authority uh, works here. Now, the police person on the corner, my sister-in-law, if she goes out and she's directing traffic, say there's a traffic light that's out, and uh, she's directing traffic. Uh, apparently, when she directs traffic, she's doing a crucifix the whole time. She's like this. <laughs> All right? And she's doing it. And, uh, and she, uh, when she directs traffic, she does not have the power to stop a 5,000-pound automobile, does she? She's, you know, uh, not 5,000 pounds. Um, and she can't, she can't, but when she puts her hand out, what happens? And she puts her hand out, those cops come to a complete stop almost instantly. Why? Because of the badge, because of the gun, and because of the authority that has been given to her. This is the reality of what you have been given. Have you been living in it? Have you been living in the power and the authority? Jesus has given you all power, all authority to do everything. Everything that he said you could do in terms of driving out demons, the evil spiritual forces, to cure all diseases, to make right the world that is so wrong. I mean, take an example from the Bible. There was a Roman centurion who had a servant who was sick. And the centurion is interacting with Jesus, asking Jesus to heal him. And he understood, Jesus, he says, Jesus, I understand authority. He understood authority. He knew how to give and receive orders. But what we learn and what you and I have experienced is that some of us have never really learned to give and receive orders. Because we've misunderstood our call in the first place. The kingdom of God is to rule. That you and I are called to rule over the evil spiritual forces and to be a sign and a witness and a foretaste of all the good things that he wants to do. And Jesus Christ has sent you and I to rescue people that have been taken captive by sinful humanity, by the fall of humanity. And when we proclaim the word of salvation, we are calling people to faith under the rule of our Lord. And we represent the kingdom of God everywhere that we go. And we take on captivity in every possible instance that we can. What do I mean? What is captivity? It's bondage to sin. Some of you know people who are in bondage to sin and they can't break free. Some of the people you have in your life are in bad, a bad way in terms of an addiction or a problem that they can't get out of. We break physical problems. We break physical problems in the name of Jesus. We address social problems. We address social injustice. Everything from discrimination to everything else that must be addressed in this time. There's an inequity in our world, but the Spirit of God wants to deal with that. He wants to address it, and he wants to use us to step into those moments. But whatever the contamination is, whatever the sin is, whatever the problem is, you and I are called to set the captives free in the name of Jesus with the power and the authority that Jesus gives us. And it must be both the message and the work of Jesus. So when Jesus would go, there was always a demonstration and there was a proclamation. Demonstration, proclamation. You never get one without the other with Jesus. You never get it. Demonstration. Jesus would go into a village and he'd be like, boom, you're healed. 
Uh, he didn't slap people. Um, he did weird stuff, mud and eyes, or he wouldn't even go. He wouldn't show up. He's like, I healed him, but I'm not there. And he would do all these things. He would heal. But then also they'd be like, well, what is this, what is this power that's going? And then he would, there, would be a, there would be a demonstration of power, but then there would also be a proclamation of the kingdom. Here's what this means. Good news has come into the world, and his name is Jesus, and he's going to die for your sins on the cross. He's going to address the sin at its core by taking it on. There's always a demonstration of power, but always a proclamation, an explanation of what that means. And we, should you choose to take up your role and responsibility in the kingdom of God, is to do both. To participate in power. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the worship leader. It's not just the prayer warrior. It's you. You get to participate in the kingdom of God. And I think... When I think about everything that's wrong in this world, I just think, like, there's so many people that we know who are being held captive to problems, to sin, to addictions, being held captive against their will. Do you know the numbers on human trafficking and child sex trafficking in the world right now? That is a problem for me. It should be a problem for you. Do we know, when we, do you see how many people are going through dialysis? Do you know what the, the, the story is on like untold numbers of folks that are suffering from cancer or uncurable diseases? Do you know how many people are suffering from sickness, from preventable diseases in places like sub-Saharan Africa just due to unclean water? if they only had clean water. And do you understand the pain? Maybe you do. Maybe you've heard someone explain how much discrimination there is in our world against people who are different than other people. We have an ongoing crisis in almost every area of our world, not to mention a 22-month pandemic where people are broken. Some people have died. Some people have long COVID. And then there's other people that are just being crushed emotionally and spiritually inside. They're healthy as can be, but there's something inside of them that's dying. They're breaking. And the only thing that they're looking at is whatever their echo chamber of social media is telling them to look at, and it's not healthy. It's not good. And if you don't think that the evil spiritual forces of the world are influencing what we're reading and thinking on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, then you are mistaken. There is, there is, there, there is a problem in that area. And there's a problem with folks emotionally and mentally with COVID. And there's a problem with people being trafficked. And there's a problem with unclean water. And there's a problem with discrimination and racism. There's a problem. And we need to get mad, people. We need to get angry. It doesn't belong here anymore. And we're a part of D-Day. And we get to do something about it. And I'm tired of doing stuff with just a handful of people. And today, I want to activate us by the power of the Holy Spirit that you get to go do stuff. That when you walk into a room and you see someone with a broken leg, you are a part of D-Day. And you get to pray for that person. And maybe they get well, maybe they don't. Don't understand the mystery, don't have time today. Might hit it up next week, maybe I won't. But here we are. <laughs> Every time you see an unjust situation happening at work, when you see discrimination happening, Spirit of God, I know I could run in there and say all the things and yell at people and do the do, 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 do. Or Spirit of God, how do you want me to do this? How do you want me to address this? How do you want me to deal with this? Most of our world 
is not thinking in this way. Most of our world is rooted in secularism. The Western world entirely almost operates on, in the empirical realm. So I don't blame us for not being able to perceive that there is a spiritual warfare happening around us. We're heavily controlled by our Western materialism, but we can and we must change. And so we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to do something. I want to do it with you guys. I want us to go out from here, and I want us to walk in the power and the authority of God. So here's two things you need to do. Can you guess what the first one is? One, start walking the power of the authority God's given you. You need to learn how to fight. Um, Line the witch in the wardrobe. Remember before they go to battle? And they're back at, back at Aslan's camp, and it's summer by then. It's so nice. Winter's melted. But they spend time. They spend time learning to fight. Most of you, I'm not going to say most of you, some of you have never learned to fight. You've never learned to effectively deal with the evil spiritual forces that bother us both, uh, uh, both situationally and systemically. We've never learned to do it. We've never learned to walk in the power of God. And some of you have never really taken on the authority, the authority that God has given to you. When you say to an evil spiritual force, when you say no more, like that spiritual force has to leave. Little you, little you with all your problems and all your sins and your inadequacies and your bad grades and your mom that said you wouldn't do that. You, you walk in the authority of God. I don't know if you believe that or not, but that's true. But that's what we must do as a community. We must walk in the power and the authority of God. And the second thing is you need to know where the kingdom of God is at work around you. And the kingdom of God is at work when you can see the works of the kingdom around you. Like when people come out of wheelchairs, that's the kingdom of God. When people are sick, and then they're made well. That's the kingdom of God at work. When the blind are seeing, when the lame can walk, when the deaf can hear, when the poor hear the gospel, when darkness, when people move from darkness to light, when we see the favor of God, the blessing of God, that's the kingdom of God at work. So open your eyes, pray, Holy Spirit, I want to see your kingdom come. Show me what to do. Show me how to walk in the authority and the power. You and I are in a battle and we must participate until V-Day. Jesus is coming back. Let us show ourselves as Christ followers to be participants in the good stuff. You've got a choice here. You can kind of just coast along or we can engage the bad stuff. And we can be a sign of all that God wants to do. Amen? Why don't we all stand?